Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to the Quiet Part Loud podcast, episode 83. I'm Daryl. I'm your host, as always, and thanks for tuning in. It is good to be back. We did three shows last week, which uh, were interacted with quite well. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I was a bit curious as to whether or not three would be overkill and whether or not people would sort of just switch off. But I think being the fact that we mixed it up with a specific UFC breakdown uh, was a nice way of kind of mixing it up so you knew you could get that content there and, you know, the sort of normal, more normal stuff that we do um, on the uh, on the other two shows. So uh, we're leading up to the bank holiday and that means a short week this week and a short week next week just in terms of, you know, uh, the nine to five. I don't think that's going to stop the ability uh, for us to kind of record uh, shows as usual, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but I'm definitely wanting to get one out this week. So jumped on this evening um, after getting back from my uh, personal training client session, uh, which was great. The sun's finally coming out in London, which is fantastic. And uh, yes, I had a little bit of extra time. So I was like, well, let's get on it because uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, we touched on the UFC there just briefly, but um, I just wanted to say that on that show, I made my picks for the main event, and it doesn't happen often, but I got every single one of my picks correct on the night, and true to form, did not bet on it, because that would have meant that I wouldn't have got them all right because it's one or the other for me. Either I can make a I can make a pick and a bunch of predictions and not bet on it and get really, really good results, or I can lace that I can lay down some money to see what happens. And I'm guaranteed that something that you would have thought was as much of a sure in and fighting as possible will let you down on the night. So didn't win any money for my predictions, but I uh, got them all right. I'm pretty sure if we go back and, and, and check that all of those uh, all of those picks were correct. But uh, it was a hell of a card. It was a hell of a card. Um, and just going into the main card quickly, Khalil Roundtree, after moving to Thailand, coming in with that traditional Muay Thai uh, fighting style, looked phenomenal. Some of the best leg kicks I've ever seen. No telegram. I mean, it was just, it was so clean. It was so precise. And he just pieced up Eric Anders something, something vicious and really made a name for himself there. I mean, he was already looked at as, you know, a talented fighter and a talented competitor. But I mean, I started following this guy on Instagram. You can see some of the training he does in Thailand. He's all in with this, apparently. Like he's moving his family out. That's what I heard on uh, the Rogan podcast um, when he was talking to Brendan Schaub yesterday or the day before. And I just started started following him on Instagram, and it was I mean, this guy's a savage. Um, so you should check him out. But if you didn't see that fight, I'm sure you can grab it on YouTube or something. Uh, but you should have a look at it because it was uh, it was quite the performance. Um, and then obviously the co-main event and main event were just, in my opinion, and I'm not obviously standing alone here in in the thinking, but like two of the best fights I've ever seen in the UFC. 
like four guys at the top of their game just going to war. And if you haven't seen these fights and you're a UFC fan, well, you should smash your head off a wall, first of all, but for missing it. But second of all, um, if you haven't seen it, you've you've missed two absolute spectacles. So you need to catch up on that as soon as possible. If you're a casual UFC fan and you haven't seen it, these are the types of fights that can completely change you into a, a proper fan. And if you've never seen it, but you're kind of wondering about it, or you've always been, I mean, if you're put off by the violence aspect of it, definitely don't tune in. But if you're all, if you're kind of teetering on it saying, I don't really know. And I don't want to watch two guys rolling around on the floor. Like you're not into the technical space of MMA yet. Give this card a watch. It's well worth your time. And if you can record it, then great. You can watch it quick and skip through all the adverts. But it was, it was a hell of an event. Dustin Poirier, I mean, what a fucking competitor. He's, you know, he's something special, man. And, you know, obviously, being a big UFC and a big MMA fan, I've been watching him for a long, long time. And it's just one of those journey stories that you're so glad finally have come right. And, you know, he's able to put some gold around, you know, his waist. He's he's just, he seems like a good guy. Obviously, you don't know him. Um, but... He just, he just seems like one of the good guys, you know? Um, and I was super happy to see him get that 155 interim belt and a match with Khabib, you know, uh, which is going to be a tough, tough fight. It's a tough, tough fight for anybody. But, you know, if his form remains and he continues to improve and prepares correctly, who knows what can happen? You never know. This fight game is a funny old thing, but... It's just great to see him re realize the, you know, the long career he's had and get to a pinnacle because, uh, like I say, he just seems like a really good guy. But for Israel Adesanya beating Kelvin Gastelum in the style that he did was just, I mean, that was one of the best fights I've ever seen. One of the best testaments of what, you know, the heart of a fighter is and what resiliency is and what confidence is and what just perseverance and digging deep can do for a person it was it was something it was something to behold just watching both of those guys go to war and it's a fight you'll see again I don't know if it's a fight you'll see go like that again but it was one it was one for the record books for sure it's definitely up there for me um and again, Adesanya, he's in the UFC for a year and he's a champ. And now he fights Robert Whitaker. And they're going to do that over there. And it's going to be enormous. So fantastic. Israel Adesanya, we've said it on this show before, is a superstar waiting to happen. If you haven't seen his kickboxing fights, go back and check him out. But ultimately, you've seen now in this performance, the emergence of a proper superstar. He's, in my opinion, he is he is charismatic enough to catapult himself into a Conor McGregor type of area. I don't know if he can be as big as Conor, but he's definitely got all the potential in the world. I mean, he's, he's just fantastic. His skill set, he's a cool guy. You know, the music he listens to, the way he talks, the way he carries himself... Um, his arrogance, his, you know, it's just, he's got a package there 
that he backs up with skills and performance and now after going through a, an absolute war has come out on the other side, knows what he can go through and I think this is just going to raise him to a whole new level. So really excited about him fighting Whitaker to unify the title. Really excited to see Poirier fight Khabib later on this year uh, but just an amazing card and backed up by picking all of the right results. Although, you know, it would have been great if I could have won a few hundred quid on it as well. But never mind. Never mind. It was great. Um, staying with sports, obviously, Tiger has now won the Masters for the first time in 11 years. Which is just amazing. Uh, I don't know why. I'm not a huge... I guess I would call myself a golf fan, but I don't... I don't engage with it anywhere near the amount I used to. I haven't played in, God, 10 years. Uh, and I used to play a couple of times a week when when I could, um, which was quite, quite a bit. But I haven't played in a long, long time. I used to watch it quite a bit as well, especially when Tiger was going through his heyday, you know, because that was, that was when I was growing up. I was part of, you know, the youth that was attracted to golf because of Tiger Woods. Um, and through all of everything he's gone through, you know, it's great to see, again, him with the perseverance come out on the other side of it and realize, you know, his fifth Masters. Because overall, that's good for sports. It's good for golf. Uh, it's good for kids. And I can hear already people out there saying, well, he, you know, he's, uh, you know, he went through all this, this shit with his wife and... Listen, Tiger Woods is an apex competitor. I don't even know if that's the right terminology for it. He's a super winner, right? Like he's a he's an ultra winner. He's an ultra competitor. Like an apex competitor. There's there's again, there's levels to this stuff, right? There's levels to everything in life. And in sports and competitiveness and drive to to the point of you know, psychopathy, like to socio, like to, like, these guys are, are so in just crazed on winning and being the best that why would you expect or anybody for that matter, that they would behave in a way that wasn't conducive with those sorts of results? People who sit around and hum and haw and contemplate and get sad over like little things and, you know, make mountains out of molehills and, you know, worried about what people think about them and, you know, letting other things influence their path in life. People who subscribe to that sort of life have no idea the mindset of an ultra winner or an ultra competitor like Tiger Woods. So him banging all these chicks and, you know, whatever he was getting into. That's par for the course, part, you know, mind the pun. That's par for the course in terms of a guy like Tiger Woods or a guy like Michael Jordan. They said if Michael Jordan was playing today and behaving the way he behaved when he played, he would have been exactly the in the same situation as Tiger Woods. Someone would have called him out for banging a chick 
multiple chicks in every single city the Bulls played in, his gambling, his competitiveness, punching Steve Kerr in the fucking nose in practice for not trying hard enough or whatever the reason was, for him beefing with Scottie Pippen because Scottie Pippen was banging Madonna and, and, and Jordan tried to get at Madonna and Madonna turned him down. Like, you know, there's stories about Michael Jordan that are folklore effectively at this point because we can't substantiate them with social media and the shit that people are subjected to these days but this is par for the course again i'll say it this is the type of behavior you can expect from people who have this sort of mindset and you can take this across the spectrum for the people that run government, to the people that run social media companies, to the people that run corporations, to successful athletes, to, you know, you don't think that the best, you don't think Michael Phelps is a fucking nutbag, a psycho, a psycho competitor, a psycho winner. There's different levels to this. And now Tiger's got hopefully some confidence back, hopefully his life sorted out. And we'll see more from him because I, like I said, it's good for everybody. It's good for the sport and it's good for kid. It's good for all involved in golf. So congratulations to him on that. Uh, I hope there's more where that came from and I hope he continues. Um, and I don't give a fuck about his past transgressions. If I'm being completely honest, because I don't think he was doing anything wrong. That's consenting. Adults doing things that consenting adults want to do. Should he have done it while he was married? No. If you subscribe to that sort of thinking, no. But I think he was doing what comes natural to him, what he needs to do to be feeling the way that kind of person needs to feel. Anyways, moving on. Some not so good things happening in our world as, as usual. We're expecting the Mueller report out soon. Uh, a redacted, how heavily redacted, obviously we don't know yet. Watch out for those that come out swinging and screaming on either side because those are the ones with the agenda. What you're looking for is proper analysis of what is not redacted and how that implicates the presidency going forward. I haven't seen it. It's not out yet, but we'll cover it when it does and hopefully give some informed opinions about what it contains and what it means and so on and so forth, but it's not there yet, so let's wait and see. Um, I was going to talk about Nigel Farage launching this Brexit party, but I don't even want to. It's so absurd. It's so absurd that he's even given, I mean, give him a platform, whatever, you know, but it's so absurd that anybody would listen to this clown, you know, being one of the main perpetrators of the bullshit that was spun in order to get people to believe that Brexit was a good idea, easy, cost efficient, and, you know, basically the smoothest thing. It was basically like just like send an email. And in doing so, we were going to get all this money back and all our freedom back and all our independence and, you know, control our own currency and destiny and laws and everything fucking else that was spewed out of his and Boris Johnson's mouth and for him to have the audacity to come back and launch this party is just it's just gross he's gross um 
Let's see if it gains traction. It probably will because there's a movement towards the right globally. So we'll see. But, you know, if you listen to this clown, then you're a clown. It's as simple as that to me. Um, he's not saying anything worth listening to. He's not saying anything that we haven't heard before. He's an absolute joke. Um, his 180 on the NHS funding the day after... Brexit was announced was one of the most appalling things I've ever seen. And the fact that that sound bite and that interview alone doesn't discredit him from being listened to by anybody is absurd. So I'm just going to leave that there. Uh, yeah, I mean, what else can you say about it? What else can you say about it? I, yeah, I don't even want to dive into it because it'll just become vitriol the way I feel about him. And I don't think that's productive. So we'll move on and we'll talk about this just awful, awful occurrence in uh, in, in Paris with Notre, uh, Notre Dame or Notre Dame, however you want to say it. Um, it's obviously Notre Dame, but... Um, for my American listeners out there, Notre Dame um, burnt down. And I don't know why. I don't know if they've released uh, any information as of this morning, uh, this afternoon, or this evening as to the culprits, the cause, you know, any of that stuff. I know they saved some very, very old statues, some very, very old relics, but I know a lot of stuff was destroyed as well. And it's terrible. I, I mean, it's it's... It's got to be a mistake, right? It's got to be just an accident gone wrong. It can't be... the. It would take a certain sort of malicious to... to do something like that. I mean, the thing's 900 years old. It's an absolute pinnacle. It's a beautiful building of architect... You know, it's a beautiful example of architecture, Gothic architecture. Like, just looking at the building, it's amazing despite your religious affiliation to it or what have you. So I can only imagine that this is an accident. A builder has put a cig smoked a cigarette too close to something to paint thinner or something or a spark is caught and just gotten out of control when they were hammering or something. I don't know, um, but it's terrible. The response, however, has been amazing. The response has been from you know, the wealthy of the wealthy, the wealthiest of the wealthy, um, you know, the, who, who's it, Penult, I think his last name is, he's pledged like 200 million euros to the renovation. There's been a couple of donations of 200 million. There's been a couple of donations of 113 million. There's been you know, eleven million donate dollar donate euro donations. Um, I think they've raised somewhere in the neighborhood of eight hundred million in two days from these moguls, from these you know, from these mega rich people. <clears throat> Which I think, you know, that generosity has to be looked at as, you know, uh, it's a beautiful act of generosity, right? It's a philanthropic endeavor to restore something 
you know, that was destroyed, that was so iconic. But it also, and I don't want to be, I don't want to seem like a cynic or whatever you might say, but it just makes me wonder, like, 800 million given to the rich, and that's without disclosing how much, you know, Tim Cook of Apple has donated, or if people like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates will get involved, but we're almost at a billion euros in 48 hours. So my head and my attention turned to things like poverty and homelessness and universal medical care for all and universal basic income and standards of living in general and how actually they could be solved if the world's resources that are concentrated in the hands of a very, very small few were, I don't want to say distributed away from them, but if these folks who have this wealth concentrated in their group did release some of it into the world, into the lower parts of society, into the worst downtrodden parts of society, what change could be affected almost immediately? It really, it's, it's staggering to think how quickly some of these things could just be eradicated if you threw money at them. And there's clearly the money to do it. And I don't want to sound brash and I don't want to sound like I'm demeaning the donations to restore Notre Dame because it's a great thing. And, and if they restore it to its, you know, to, to the beauty in which it held, then fantastic. It'll make the Paris skyline gorgeous again. And it'll give, you know, it'll, it'll give that iconic look back to the skyline of Paris. It, it, it's, it's great. But I can't help turn my attention and my thoughts to some of the social problems that we have and the wealth that's in the world that could fix it. How do you fix it? I don't know. Can you mandate, can governments mandate distribution of wealth like that? It seems like a very slippery slope to me. But I wish some of these billionaires would come out of their fucking pockets once in a while. You see, when I hear about Jeff Bezos donating $5 million to a cause, I'm like, what? Like, if I had Jeff Bezos money, there would not be a homeless dog in the world. Like, I would get rid of that problem because it hurts my heart. And I wonder if you just have to be so ice cold that you don't pay attention to these things or actually give a fuck about actioning any of them when you're in the mindset of just making money, making money, building an empire, taking things over, acquiring businesses, you know, running shit. If you're like, what do I care about the fucking, you know, homeless dogs or the, you know, the ghetto in Baltimore? Fuck do I care? What do I care about universal basic income? I've got enough income for the universe. 
I'm building rockets. I just think like if we truly wanted to solve some of these problems, we could. Which is why I'm really refreshed by some of the things that I'm hearing in terms of uh, Andrew Yang, like we've mentioned on this show again, and more so even now because I've been diving a little bit deeper into Pete Buttigieg uh, and his policies and and listening to a bit more of his longer form content. Uh, you know, some of the ideas that he has, uh, some of the things that he wants to try and enact, I'm all for. I think for America, they should take a moment and give both of those guys a proper listen uh, because they're saying some really good things. And of course, it's politics and people will say what they want. Uh, but there's something, I don't know, there's something about those guys. So it's uh, it's encouraging it's encouraging to hear that, uh, and and you should you should definitely give those guys a listen. Um, I don't even know what I was talking about. I've completely lost my train of thought. Never mind. Um, really sad what's happened over there. Glad to see the money's pouring in, but you know, my heart beats towards a different issue with how much when you see money surface like that so quickly from the elite of the elite you're like fuck man why are people sleeping under bridges why is there people that can't afford to have an operation done in america when jeff bezos can you know buy a country it just seems nuts to me and i'm not asking for a socialist manifesto here to you know equally distribute everything I'm, I'm just asking the question like if you throw money at some of these problems would they initially would they immediately go away or pretty much immediately go away and i think the answer for some of the problems is yes i think you can throw immense amounts of wealth at healthcare and make it a lot better poverty and make it much better homelessness joblessness you can throw money at these things and make them a lot better and we're not or they're not i don't have any money to throw at it but it's good to see that you know with this money notre dame should be rebuilt and yeah that's it really um what else did I want to talk about? Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about uh, these uh, protesters in London. <laughs> if you haven't seen these protesters in London, it's it's um, it's for the Extinction Rebellion protests and their climate change protesters, which to me sound, it's a bit funny because it's like, you know, clim protesting climate change. It's like, what do you mean? You, you're protesting that there is climate change? You're protesting against it because you don't believe in it or no these guys were protesting because of climate change and the lack of attention it's getting from the government you know and uh and other and other people so they were out disrupting traffic and blocking the roads and spray painting stuff and whatever you know they're very much a hippie crowd the you know the activist group of um you know, you know, those kind of climate change activists, um, a lot of them are, you know, smell like feet and, you know, have dreadlocks for no reason because they think it's still cool and, you know, wear dashikis and things like that. But their names are Brad and, you know, they're from Essex. Like, you know, it's, um, 
a lot of them are posers, let's just put it that way. Um, but what I wasn't expecting is for almost 300 of them to be arrested, <laughs> you know, um, I see the EDL protesting. I see these white, you know, these these white supremacists, these like fucking Britain first. I see Muslim um, fanatical groups protesting. You know, there's there's all kinds of protests, and I'm not really entirely sure why. You know, there was so much crackdown and enforcement on this particular protest, other than the fact that they are soft targets, and maybe they can get their quotas up. The uh, the cops, I don't know, um, but for me, it was just very much. It was very much um, looked at as 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 an attack on a soft target because they're 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 protesting something that anybody with a set of eyes can see, and only those that choose to be willfully ignorant um, are the ones that are currently denying it. Now, the fact that more is not being done to address it is worrisome and I think these people have absolutely the right to protest and you know I'm sure they were kind of superficial arrests if if nothing else but you know can we can we look at the problem there's a couple of American presidential candidates on the Democratic side they're talking about this and again I go back to people like Andrew Yang and and Pete Buttigieg um for some of the some of the examples but you're not hearing a ton of this in the UK you're hearing a lot of resistance against things like wind farms and you know there's not much of a, a movement in terms of the electric car market um, you know renewable energy is not the focus of conversation for a lot of people especially when you've got things like Brexit and y to distract you but for some reason or another, it's not being given the attention in this country that it should be given. And, you know, I applaud these protesters. I don't applaud, you know, everything that they did and, and all of their methodology. But nevertheless, you have to stand up and be counted and be heard. And you have to do that in an organized way. So for that, I congratulate them. Maybe they shouldn't be blocking traffic and maybe find a different, um, you know, avenue to explore. But I understand why they did it. If you're trying to stop cars from crossing a bridge... You're doing that in protest of climate change, and I understand the connection there. So it's not lost on me, the meaning behind it. Um, but equally, I think that's, you know, what led to a lot of them being arrested. Uh, but again, I don't know for sure. So I think it's just, I just think it's an interesting thing. You know, you've got, again, we talked about, you know, Notre Dame being heavily donated towards uh, by, you know, these rich, rich, rich um, individuals, groups, etc. But we're not addressing the issue with the ultra-rich in terms of how they can help change the issue that we're facing with our climate. Let's, you know, for instance, you know, also, there's nothing stopping things like the subjugation of Palestinian people. And the murder of Palestinian people. These people aren't using any of their influence, power, or wealth to do anything about the genocide that's happening in Yemen. Or speaking out about, you know, these social ills. But they come right out of the woodwork when it's rebuilding a piece of art in the form of a church. 
it's really it's just it's a weird thing and and I see some of these, again, these horrible things that are happening in the world, and I see these vast amounts of wealth that come to the surface at their convenience, um, and it's just a bit shocking, and I wonder if there's something that we can do about that. Um, you know, climate change is one of the ones that I think we can definitely throw some money at, um, but Again, just going back to that, 290 people, you know, whatever it was, I think 290, was it? 250 or 290, something like that, um, arrested during this protest. But this was not like an isolated event also. And the reaction globally, because this protest actually was coordinated with, I believe, 30 some odd uh, countries and like 80 cities or something like that. So like... So a ton of people were involved in this movement yesterday, and I didn't see the reaction. Maybe it just wasn't covered on the news, uh, but I didn't see this reaction from other countries with their climate protesters. Maybe there were, and I just missed it. But I think it was a bit of an easy target for some of these cops to uh, to be going after these Extinction Rebellion people. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about, I mentioned... I mentioned on one of the shows last week, I've been suffering these robocalls. And I told you about a company called Trade360 that was the perpetrator of these calls. And I'm continuing to get them. Um, even into the evening when I'm recording this, my phone's rung a few times with those numbers on them. And I block them every time, but they obviously have a dialer system that you know can pump out you know countless number uh, variations. Uh, but generally it's something, it's 0203, I think 912 or nine, yeah, 912 something, right? So I wanted to bring it up again because I had to look into it. And as I mentioned before, Trade360 is an unregistered broker, right? So they're illegitimate as enough. But let me just pull this up for you guys so I can, I think I've got it. Oh yeah, where is it? No, nope, that's not the one, pardon me. Sorry guys, where is it? Here we go. So, the advice online is to call the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office. But when you go onto that uh, website, you go to a page called Report Spam Text or Nuisance Sales Calls, which, for lack of a better description, is what I've been experiencing. So I went to submit a form on there. Well, as, as expected, that's broken. And it's been broken for three days. And so the email that I sent to tell them it was broken bounced back. So great. Then I go on to another site. What was that one? Money Saving Expert. And effectively what they've said on there is you can report them to the ICO. But if they're an unregistered company or an international company or just a rogue company, there's not much can be done about it. If they're a legitimate company that's just like, like if it's like Sky or Virgin or, you know, one of these companies and they're calling you all the time, then you can do something about it because they're reputable and we know about them. 
But if they're rogue criminal enterprises or they're just not completely unregistered or they're operating from Malta or Russia or whatever, we've got no recourse. Sorry. Like absolutely nothing can be done about it. And the only course of action that can be taken is broken. So since I was last on the microphone with you guys, I have probably received seven to 10 of these every single day, even though I block every single one of them that come into my phone. So I'm just a bit pissed off because there's, there's basically no recourse here. And I just have to either, I basically have to change my number. I basically have to get a new number if I want this to stop. But I don't want a new number. I've had my number for 10 fucking years. I know my number off by heart. And everybody has my number that I want to have my number. I don't want to go through, even though it's not that hard to do, I just don't want to do it. That's, it's the principle of the matter. What should be done is there should be some real recourse taken against companies foreign or domestic that operate in this sort of behavior. And currently there's not. And I wonder what can be done about that. Because this is fucking harassment. This is harassment. And depending on the number they call from will depend on how, whether or not they trigger the voicemail. And if they trigger the voicemail, like I get four or five voicemails a day from these idiots. And it's just the same tune, that tune I played for you a couple episodes ago. It just sounds like the segue of some like really shitty cop drama. It's like a like something like suspenseful is about to happen or, you know, there's a there's a the plot thickens kind of thing. It's just that. And it's like fucking going over and over again. And then some idiot picks up and they ask me if they're speaking to me. I mean, it's just it's so Mickey Mouse. And this is where incompetence is furthered by technology, right? Because these could these idiots wouldn't have the audacity to do this if it was just them, a phone and a phone book. It's because they've got the technology to be able to plug in however many numbers and run them on repeat in perpetuity, basically. Which is why you get them as many as you do. As frequently as you do. So I just wanted to bring it up because it's continuously happening. And I don't know if anybody else is experiencing this problem. But there's got to be something that can be done. Maybe this is a uh, an issue that needs to be brought up in Parliament. I'm not sure. But it's becoming an issue for me personally. And I don't know the scale of it. But if it's happening to me, it's got to be happening to you know a lot more people. Um, and and a, lot, a lot of others would probably be experiencing this. So I just wanted to kind of put it out there again because it's continuing to happen. It's not just a glitch. It's not just a blip. I'm actively being targeted now by a company that I signed up to a, um, a trial with that I had no intention of furthering my relationship with them or, or, or making that something that was an ongoing relationship. And now they just harass me. It's, it's fucking crazy that a company can get away with that. Imagine you did that as a person to another person. Or like, you know, some, you ask some girl out on a date and she's like, yeah, I'll go out on a date with you. But then she doesn't want to go on, on any more dates with you. And you just keep fucking calling her. Do you know what that is? That's harassment. Like, why should that be okay for a company to do that? I've said no. <laughs> no means no. Stop trying to rape me. Like, fuck right off. So, I, I again, I just want to kind of bring it up because uh, it is becoming a major issue uh, every day on this phone. And I'm going to be forced to change my number. And I just wondered if anybody else is suffering the same headaches. Uh, but 
as they say, first world problems. But hey, it's a problem in the first world. It's still a problem. It's just different, right? It's my problem. So um, what else? What else is going on? I don't know. I don't know what else to talk about. Oh, yeah, these pricks on Fox News going at Nipsey Hussle. Um, I mean, there's going to be a warm corner in hell for a lot of these Fox News reporters. The way they the way they disrespect people on that network. Really, really gross behavior. I'm speaking specifically about a woman called Laura Ingham. If you haven't seen her, you should check her out because she's a special piece of shit. And... She's got some fucking audacity on her. And if you if you know the term keyboard warrior or, you know, microphone tough guy, right? These are, This is what Fox News is full of. This is all they're full of. None of these motherfuckers would say a goddamn thing if they weren't protected by the security of their massive skyscraper office building that they reside in. Every single one of them is a keyboard warrior or a microphone tough guy. Laura Ingram, same thing. Same thing. Going at a dead guy the day after his funeral, you piece of shit. Then showing footage of a black dude in his video. It's not even him. It's actually YG, you fucking pig. People like this shouldn't have a voice. And if they do, it shouldn't be supported by a corporate network. I'm not saying ban them. I'm not saying censor them. I'm saying get rid of them off of major television. But then again, who the fuck's listening to her? Over 60s? You're not impactful with the youth. You're a relic and you're becoming irrelevant by the day. So anyways, let's, uh, let's cut it off there. Um, I smell my dinner. I smell my dinner getting ready and, uh, and my stomach starting to growl. So we've done actually a short one today. It's 40 minutes, but I felt like I went on a rant there. Um, I hope there's no technical issues where it's deleted some of the, uh, some of the audio, but if it has, let me know. Um, yeah, we're going to wrap and I think that's enough. Uh, I'm going to try to get back to you guys on Friday. Um, if I can, I'll probably pop, pop out another episode because the Mueller report will be out. Then there'll be some other stuff happening and I don't think there's a UFC this weekend, uh, but there's something else on that I wanted to talk about and I can't remember off the top of my head. So I think I'm going to try to do a second show on Friday. Um, and then if not, we'll already be into the bank holiday. So we'll either come back and do one on Monday or we'll do one on Wednesday when everybody's back to work and, uh, and, and do it that evening. So we'll see. But it's been a good show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Talked about some other kind of different things and kind of put the world to rights. But uh but again, kind of a short, compact show, 45 minutes or so, just under. Um, so yeah, let's peace out. Let's go. Um, until next time, guys, you know, obviously get the thing on on Spotify, get the thing on iTunes, get the thing on SoundCloud, wherever you can, wherever you listen, download the podcast, subscribe, um, and let us know what you think about it. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you listening. And me personally, I thank you uh, for tuning in, whether it's once, twice, or every episode. Um, I love you for it, and thanks for the support. So until next time, guys, all the best.